Welcome back to The Long Short. I'm Tom Kyo, and Drew is out for the next number of episodes. Amid higher costs, lower fees, increased competition, not forgetting increased regulation, the environment for setting up a hedge fund is arguably tougher than ever. Fortunately, for the next generation of portfolio managers, there is help at hand. And one option that has been taken up by startup and emerging managers is to tie up with an established asset manager. In particular, asset managers that offer a multi-boutique model can often deliver the entrepreneurial freedom of a startup model with the institutional benefits of a scaled business. Doing so can allow the startup to take advantage of the larger asset manager's product development capabilities, their trading and infrastructure, as well as their administration and compliance support essentially leaving the operational headaches to someone else so that they can focus on what they do best, generate returns for their clients. Tone Johnson is the CEO of Man GLG, a leading global active investment management firm, and is here to tell us more. Tone, you're very welcome to The Long Short. Well, good morning and thank you for having me, Tom. And I look forward to helping you shed light on some of the, the questions that you raise. Indeed. Um, so, as mentioned at the top of this episode, the bar for setting a hedge fund, for setting up a hedge fund, you know, it's got higher in recent years. Could you elaborate on this a little bit more? Yeah, of course. I look, at, I think the starting point should be is that the industry over over the last couple of decades, you know, has moved from one where people were just looking to access fund managers who had a skill that was differentiated, and in some instances they were made to feel that they were lucky that they could invest with such a fund manager. Whilst today the hedge fund industry is significant in size and you know it should be very clear to all of us who operate in this industry that we are fiduciaries for those clients. And that I think is one of the really important things for all of us in this industry to remember. We're here to manage the capital of others and rightly so the demands of those clients as well as the regulators have gone up on businesses like ours. And with those increased demands, whether it's, you know, client servicing, whether it's, you know, complying with all the various edicts that come from the regulators, means that there needs to be a real infrastructure around the fund manager. And that has a cost. And so to be able to meet those costs, you need to have uh, revenues against that. And in our world, Revenues come in the form of management fees and performance fees, and there is a minimum amount that you need to allow you to run a profitable business. And those costs are easier to meet when you have scale, like we do um, at a firm like Man Group. And we always say we have focus where we need it, which is the fund management side, and then we have the benefit of scale in those areas where um, we as a large organization are able to gain those benefits. From scale. Yeah, and then to what extent then are you seeing this raised bar uh, you mentioned evident then amongst the smallest fund managers that you see coming through? So where you see it, you know, if you just look at the statistics, it is clear that for smaller funds, it takes longer to get to scale. And that makes sense because clients, they have the ability um, to choose amongst, you know, a vast array of firms and funds that may do something similar to um, the small boutiques that are about to launch, and it takes time for them to prove to clients that they're differentiated, potentially that they're better. And as such, um, you know, the time that clients, um, you know, are able to take to make an investment decision um, is longer. 
And, you know, I remember a period way back in, you know, 2003, 2004, where supply demand was very much in favour of the hedge fund manager, where people were looking to access new strategies earlier. Whilst today, even for a firm like us that is well established, when we launch a new strategy, those fund managers who run the strategy, they need a period of time to prove to those clients that what they do is A, exceptional and B, differentiated. Yeah, and um, I, I recall a piece of research that Emma did last year, um, the Emerging Stronger paper, which looked at the startup and emerging manager. Um, and it, it did point to a lower break-even number um, from when we had previously done the research um, five years uh, prior. Um, but that's really only half the story. The lower break-even, you know, we found, and um, break-even, what we mean by that is is just the ability to cover your costs as a business but that lower break even was really based on salary sacrifice and cutting back on expenses and travel which arguably you know is very important in trying to in, in trying to get a business off the ground you know working remotely so not having an, an office set up perhaps working even from home the increased use of outsourcing and the use of regulatory hosting platforms and and we will come into that distinction in terms of what you do versus what those services provide. As I said, it's only half the story. Um, Man GLG offers that other option for managers that want to pursue running their own money. Could you elaborate on this? Yeah, and look, I think one of the things that you know you alluded to, Tom, that is worth highlighting is you know we shouldn't underestimate a the stress of funding your own business as a startup. You know, a decade ago, I worked. You know, at a firm where I was trying to launch, you know, a differentiated business, and in essence, I was living off my savings, and the stress that goes with that is not insignificant. And in most cases, the small independent boutiques, it is the lead PM or the senior members of the team who are funding it out of their own pocket, and that is a stress. And secondly, I would say not every fund manager who is a brilliant fund manager is a brilliant businessman or businesswoman. You know, it takes far more skills than just running money to get a business off the ground. And so those two things are really important aspects to take into consideration for anybody who's thinking about launching their own hedge fund or fund management business at large. And firms like ours, you know, we provide a completely different uh, proposition to those people who, yes, who want the freedom to invest but B, who either don't have the ability or the willingness to fund all of those costs up front. In essence, someone who joins an organisation like ours, instead of funding uh, their business out of their own pocket, they actually have an ability to um, you know, earn a living in the form of a base salary when they join. Um, but also, you know, a firm like Man Group has a series of pooled vehicles and you know, those fund managers who join us, they they might, um, you know, have access to those pooled vehicles to allow them, you know, to run a strategy, to earn a living whilst they get their business off the ground. And then another aspect over and above some of the things that you mentioned, Tom, one of the hardest things when you launch your own business is to actually find those early investors, you know, the seed capital, the three or four investors who are willing to back you before you're well known. And that's really, really hard to find those investors. And when you join you know, a larger organization that already has relationships with 
you know, a vast array of clients. There may well be clients that are looking for that particular strategy and all they have to do is make a decision on the investment caliber of the team, the strategy that they run and the risk that they run within that strategy. Because they know the organization, potentially the organization like MAN, pretty well already, the whole uh, operational due diligence, which you know, anyone who's launched a fund will know that that is very significant, you know, becomes much more straightforward. And the fund manager has the ability to tap into a series of people who are very experienced in all these aspects, not just actually setting up the fund and managing the operations around it, but also dealing with clients, understanding the request, the type of things that clients are looking for and help them through that process. Now that's that. That's very clear. And and, and so, Tone, when you think about then um, the funds and the firms that you would speak to that might be interested in this offering, do, do you have a target in mind when looking to onboard them to your platform? And is there a certain set of criteria then that a particular fund must meet? So, so there are a whole series of things that we look for. And I think the starting point has to be, you know, we, we're a commercial enterprise. We are looking for strategies that in time can scale, strategies that our clients are looking for. Um, and lastly, strategies where we believe humans continue to have an edge. And, you know, I'm extremely fortunate that I'm part of Man Group and I can see very easily what quants do well, where quants are trying to expand into. And, you know, despite that, I still believe there are areas where discretionary investors, so humans, you know, will have an edge over computers for some time to come. And so, you know, all those different ingredients, you know, go into our decision making. We're not a business that wants to have, you know, a series of strategies that do exactly the same thing. Because culturally, you know, we want to be open, we want to be collaborative. So we tend to look for things that, you know, clients persistently are looking for, areas where we think managers can generate alpha, and strategies ideally that we can scale. Sometimes we'll do a strategy that doesn't scale that much, but we do that because we think it'll enhance our reputation. So at any given point in time, in essence, we are looking for really high quality strategies that we don't already have. And for the last number of years, it's been a great time for us. There are lots of areas we could still expand into, but you know, slowly but steadily, we've been filling you know, the different spots that we're looking for. Um, but over and above that commercial, um, I suppose, prism that we look at, what we really care about is that we have people who are really, really good and ideally differentiated from the crowd. You know, the world is quite transparent. All our clients can see how we are performing versus our peers. And so we need to find a way that we tend towards the top of the peer group in everything that we do. It is kind of a predeterminant of success over time. And, and you talked about strategies and do they have to be uncorrelated or is there a, another characteristic? Do you look across the board and think about the taxonomy of the universe? Um, and is there a particular size? Would it be that you'd be interested in a smaller size fund and then they would up, they would, would benefit from the infrastructure and the support that you have and the able to open doors to um, investors who might be interested in, in allocating to them? I think there are various types of fund managers and fund management teams that we look to on board. 
Um, I would say there is one group that is those who are very well established as fund managers who um, operate at a competitor and for whatever reason there is a certain amount of push and then hopefully we with our business model provide the pull into our organization and we've been quite successful at bringing on board that type of manager. The other type of manager that we have been successful in onboarding and then commercially successful have been those that you know either have a small independent boutique or they you know have a small partly controlled by someone else boutique and you know we bring them on board sometimes we have to relaunch them from scratch and other times we have been able to take the fund with us but those have been two areas that um, we have been successful and if you take the latter group it is exactly what we're talking about today Tom which is people who have investment talent because for us the bar is very high yet haven't been able to scale their business because you know it has been difficult and you know with COVID in recent years where people haven't been able to travel meet clients face to face it became incrementally difficult because there are clients who won't invest with someone unless they've met them face to face and so trying to run you know a small organization for an extended period of time is very stressful and when then those people see the opportunity that we offer them um, often it can be you know quite a straightforward conversation if we would like them to join us but for us you know the bar is is very high we want people you talked about correlation for a second Tom you know we we don't think about correlation per se when we bring a manager on board whether it's correlation to indices or or otherwise but what we do know is that if we launch a strategy that is focused let's say on the European market European investors that invest in usage funds they tend to value lower drawdowns over very high returns so we try and set up our hedge funds they tend to be with lower net exposure lower correlation to asset classes in recognition of that desire from the client base and that is something else that we bring to the party the number of times I've had a conversation with a portfolio manager that could be very good but that has a strategy that doesn't suit the market they sell into has meant that they haven't been commercially successful. AMA's Global Investor Board was created to further strengthen AMA's engagement with the allocator community and better support our growing investor membership. AMA's Global Investor Board comprises of nearly 20 senior leaders at institutional investors from across the world, from Sydney to Toronto, California to Sweden, Abu Dhabi to Hong Kong, and beyond. Chaired by Edouard Van Gelderen, CIO at PSP Investments in Montreal, AMA's Global Investor Board provides educational insights on topics such as alignment of interests, GP and LP strategic relationships, ESG, and trends impacting asset allocation, all while advancing sound practice excellence for our members and the alternative investment industry. AIMA offers qualified institutional investors complimentary affiliate membership, granting allocators full access to AIMA due diligence questionnaires, operational sound practice guides, events, allocator-only peer groups, and more. Full paid membership with the option to remain private is also available. To learn more about investor membership options or AIMA's 
global investor board work and their perspective, please visit ama.org. So there may be indeed some managers or some who may be interested in setting up a fund listening um, to our conversation today. So just to get a greater understanding of the process then, um, a couple of questions on that tone. How does ManGLG get new funds off the ground? And then a question you know, I would love to get an answer to is, what makes this then an attractive proposition for, for the portfolio manager and the firm? Mm-hmm. Well, look, let me kind of take the, um, the, the second part of the question first, because we, I think we touched upon it previously. Obviously, for us, look, we're a commercial enterprise. We're looking for revenues that grow. And so each and every strategy and team that we launch is kind of a profit center. And so as a business, we like to diversify ourselves, just like a portfolio manager doesn't want to be too concentrated we as a business would like to be very diversified, have lots of different strategies. And by the way, it was one of the really, really great things that the founders of GLG did all those years ago, You know, in a period where most hedge funds were single strategy hedge funds that were run by the founder. GLG very quickly looked more like a traditional asset manager. They had lots of different funds run by different portfolio managers. And I think that is the reason that nearly 30 years on, GLG is still thriving. What is in it for a fund manager? Well, simplistically, they don't have to put their hand in their pocket to get the business off the ground. And they can still be very successful financially, um, you know, if they build a large business. And lastly, you know, we don't tell them how to run money. Yes, we have, you know, a, a very large and sophisticated risk management function, but those people who join us, they still get the freedom to run money the way they see fit. We might help them adjust certain things to make sure that it's commercially viable, but they still get a great deal of freedom. And they sit amongst, you know, quite a significantly sized group of really high quality investors who they can collaborate with. So those are the things that I think are there for a fund manager. And then your first question, Tom, was around how do we get a fund off the ground? For us at Man Group, this is a well-trodden path. You know, every year at GLG, we probably launch between five and 10 funds. Some of those are with teams that we've onboarded. Sometimes they're launches with existing teams who are trying to expand and diversify their, their own business area. Um, but importantly, if you could see the number of people that we have dedicated to getting funds off the ground, you realize that it's not a small task and that, you know, to do it well, you require expertise in a whole host of different areas. You know, so we have, you know, quite a large legal team focused on managing funds. We have project managers who help, you know, get the legal entity off the ground. We have a treasury function that helps, you know, with prime broker relationships, counterparty relationships with banks. We have, you know, a very um, significantly sized trading function that makes sure that all the trading happens. All of these things are taken care of for a fund manager. So, you know, the getting the funds off the ground, you know, is, I wouldn't say is straightforward, but is something, you know, we do as part of our living you know, every every day of the week because Man Group as a whole launches more than 
but GLG probably launched more than 10 funds in the last year alone, just to give you some sense of that. So, you know, and if you if you really then think of the nuance of a fund manager, you know, would a fund manager want to focus their time on investing or would they want to focus their time on a whole series of processes that almost certainly they will have never dealt with before? Tony, you mentioned, I think as you said, 10 funds were onboarded last year. Is, is that correct in terms of this platform that we're talking about? So, so uh, sorry, there's a difference between launching funds and onboarding Yes, yeah, so onboarding funds, actually to make that distinction then, how many funds have you onboarded, say last year and then recent years, has there been an increase in, in activity around that area? I, I think the right number is six or seven teams that we onboarded, so I, I think that's really the thrust of your question, teams that have joined um, GLG. I would say last year probably we were more busy than, than any year in the previous five or six, but there is a certain cadence to what we do. Now, my expectation is that over time it slows down, but there are always new areas of opportunity emerging. Like one of the areas that we've been really focused on in the last four or five years is to build out our presence in the credit space. And you know, I think our timing is opportune. Uh, I think with the world moving of zero interest rates, it might well um, you know, be the prelude to a distress cycle. So that represents an interesting opportunity. You know, as the cost of debt goes up, my expectation is that we see a significant increase in the issuance of convertible debt. And there are strategies that we've launched there. But broadly, we've been really trying to build out our presence in the credit space because we think there's a commercial opportunity there. And to, to recall then the Emerging Stronger report that we published last year, we noted that startup funds are taking longer to reach $100 million in assets under management, which we have cited as being the threshold for funds certainly to get on the radar of institutional investment. So does being on a platform like that that you've described and what, what is provided by GLG then give funds the best chance of attracting institutional capital, maybe perhaps before the 100 million threshold? Yeah, so, so I think there are a few things that are worth highlighting. You know, some, some years ago, more than a decade ago, I sat on the other side of the table. And one of the things that you would always focus on when you're looking at a new manager is, you know, will they be around, right? Because for an investor, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is to, you know, back a fund manager and then six months later they decide that they no longer want to fund their business, as happened from time to time. And then, you know, you, you don't look too great in front of your investment committee. So clients, they're always looking to understand, will this business be around? Now, that becomes much, much easier when, you know, you look at an organization like Man Group that is diversified, that is at scale, all the resources are in place, the fund manager, you know, doesn't have to dip their hand into their own pocket to fund it. So the question of the fund and the team being around six months later takes on a completely different dimension, which makes it easier to raise early capital. I think the second component is, you know, an organization like Man Group has a very you know, significantly sized and globally diverse sales force that has lots of relationships. And, you know, what one hopes is that by having lots of high quality strategies that when a new team joins us, 
clients look upon it favorably, thinking, well, these guys, they seem to be quite good at hiring people, launching strategies. If there is a new strategy in an area that I am looking for, perhaps I should look at a firm like GLG. And so the combination of relationships and hopefully reputation um, you know, allows those managers to scale more readily, more easily. But you know, one should never forget that there is an extremely high correlation between early performance and early asset raising. Um, but you know, I think people who are at our organization can be a little more patient. As I often say to our PMs, you know, if you perform and you perform well over time, money will find you eventually. And as you as you describe in in the piece that you um, were very generous in providing to our AIMA journal, um, those firms and fund managers who are able to get on with doing what they're supposed to do, which is generate returns for investors and not have to worry too much about the infrastructure headaches of managing a business, they're going to have that better chance still of, of um, you know, attracting that investor capital, you know, fix, focusing on what they do best as opposed to having to worry about a myriad of other issues with managing a business. Um, John, just to come back on, on the hedge fund space and, and new launches in the hedge fund space, uh, I've read recently that they are at um, well, what's described as an all-time low, but I think uh, certainly at the lowest level since 2008. Why do you think the the environment um, you know has launches um, at such a low level? You know what what also can more established players like Man GLG then do to help this situation? Yeah. So so look, I think there is some correlation between the environment um, and the number of launches. I think that's one point to make. I'm I'm sure that if you look back to 2002, you probably saw a lot less launches than you did in 1999-2000 and similarly you know 2006 2007 and 2008 I, I think in 2021 you know you saw more launches and and perhaps there's some correlation between it being a bull market and the number of launches just that people are more confident to do it but i do think that when i just sit here and i observe and i don't have statistics in front of me it feels like it's just harder. And those firms that you see launch, they tend to be individuals who probably are already well known to their clients. They might have been the number two or the number three at a very large and successful firm. The clients may know them and they're willing to back them. But what I don't see so much of is people who one has never heard of trying it where you know, and I'm now going back, you know, to the mid 2000s, but it was amazing how many people you would see launch at that time. And, you know, whilst I do believe that you are right in your report where you say, you know, the costs have come down, um, I think the bar for clients has gone up. And I think that is something that people realize. I do also believe that there are many people who previously would have considered launching their own fund and that they have decided to go and work for the, what I think of as the large platforms where it's just you know, they get access to a sizable pool of capital and what we are saying to those people is well there is also a third way which is think about an organization like ours 
you know, you, you don't have the stress of setting up your own business, but you do have the opportunity to launch your own fund. And if you're successful, you know, you, you can do extremely well at a place like ours and you don't necessarily have some of the risks that you might have at, you know, certain of those competitors where you're not client facing. Um, so I think it's a, it's, it's a very interesting proposition for those who enjoy uh, just running money and doing it. And in your role then as CEO of Man GLG, you will have seen many funds launch and go on and be successful, and while some, less so. So is there then a secret sauce, do you think, that would-be hedge funds need to know about, give them the best chance of being successful? So, so you know, it's, it, it's an interesting one, Tom. My short answer would be, be good, be differentiated, and never forget that you're a fiduciary. That, that last comment is, is really important. But you know, then there are other aspects that you should really think about, like, like you should do when you launch any business. You know, is the demand for what you do? Are you differentiated? Are you good? Are you better than your peers? All of those things should play in someone's mind because they play in my mind. When I speak to our, to our investors, that's what they're thinking. And so the bar is really high, but I think it's really important for everyone to actually just take a step back before they launch and think, you know, does the market need what I'm offering? Um, and, and my final question today, and it's, it's been extremely helpful, and we will have in our episode notes some information um, about um, the service that you provide for any listeners who may be interested in, in getting in contact with you. But my, my final question, just on, on Man Group itself, and I we've read a lot about this, is the importance of technology and the influence of technology on the man group um, being a tech-enabled firm and so what does this then mean for the discretionary portfolio managers in glg and how do they make use then of those quantitative capabilities um, that you have on offer in in their investment approach yes i look actually i think it's a really interesting question um to ask and, and hopefully answer it in the right way tom but you know if you take man group as a whole, right? We have over 570 quants and technologies, technologists. So we have an army of people and we can see what they're really, really good at. But what the world at large may not know is that at GLG, we have our own quant team. And that quant team is there to service the discretionary fund managers, in essence, to help those that work for us get better. And, you know, it's a team of about 10 people and really, I think of them as doing various things, two of which I'll, I'll highlight here, Tom. You know, firstly, I think in a world that is as fast moving as ours is today, the faster we can get better information into the hands of our PMs is really, really valuable. And so at Man Group, we have a series of data scientists and GLG's own quant team. Um, you know, works with RPMs to try and identify data sets that might help RPMs understand companies better. And if, you know, if I observe it time and again, I see RPMs go to our quant team, you know, with a question such as, you know, what do you think the data might show for XYZ company, you know, this quarter? And, you know, our team will then go away, speak to our data scientists, look for the data sets, 
scrub them, understand whether it's relevant for the PM, and if so, they provide the PM with that information, which is hugely valuable. And if you think about an independent business funding that, a large one could, but a small one couldn't. Um, so that is one thing that we do. And then the other thing that we do, so some members of our quant team, they are there focused on helping our fund managers get better at what they do. So they will, for every strategy, analyze a whole series of data points and data sets to try and understand what each fund manager does well, does less well, and then work with those fund managers on trying to improve those areas where they can. And that has proven to be hugely fruitful um, in those areas. We don't force our PMs to use that part of our quant team, but it's really interesting to watch how the take-up has over time increased um, time and again as people see the value um, of that aspect of what we do. So it's been hugely important. I haven't even talked about our trading function. No, we have not. You know, and maybe I'll finish with that because it's quite interesting sitting next to you know a very large quant business. We know that the quants tend to look for smaller margins um, when it comes to their alpha and therefore the cost of trading um, you know is hugely important in determining whether a signal um, works or not and so you know there's a huge amount of investment that goes into trying to improve the cost of trading at Mangrove and we at GLG we use the very same trading function and we benefit from that so there are huge benefits for us as a discretionary fund manager sitting alongside a quant business and um, you know, I'm I'm so proud of what our quant team does because they help us get better every day. Well, that whole evolution of tech and traditional asset management coming together is is an area that we have we've spoken about in previous episodes of the Long Short. But it would be great to have you back, or perhaps one of your colleagues, to go through that in greater detail. For now, many thanks for taking the time to speak to us, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I really enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you again. And if you want to learn more about the services that Man GLG described in this episode, please do contact Tone to discuss with him further and his contact details appear in the show notes. AIMA also has a thriving community of emerging fund managers. Our next generation of manager group brings together senior individuals from across the alternative asset management business that manage up to $500 million in assets under management to exchange ideas and focus on issues pertinent to the small and emerging fund manager community. And more details about this group and how to join can be found in our show notes. The Long Short was brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Amazon Music, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, AIMA.org. Thanks for listening.